be sure to follow Send Me to Sleep on your preferred podcast player so you never miss an episode and a good night's rest. Good evening. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind and send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 18 and 19 of The Phantom of the Opera by Gaston Leroux. So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 18 The Commissary, the Viscount, and the Persian The first words of the Commissary of Police on entering the manager's office were to ask after the missing prima donna. Is Christine Day here? Christine Day here? echoed Richard. No. Why? As for Mon Charmin, he had not the strength left to utter a word. Richard repeated, for the commissary and the compact crowd which had followed him into the office observed an impressive silence. Why do you ask if Christine Day is here, Monsieur le Commissaire? Because she has to be found, declared the commissary of police solemnly. What do you mean, she has to be found? Has she disappeared? In the middle of the performance? In the middle of the performance? This is extraordinary, isn't it? And what is quite as extraordinary is you should first learn it from me. Yes, said Richard, taking his head in his hands and muttering, What is this new business? Oh, it's enough to make a man send in his resignation. And he pulled a few hairs out of his moustache without even knowing what he was doing. So she... So she disappeared in the middle of the performance, he repeated. Yes, she was carried off in the prison act. At the moment when she was invoking the aid of the angels, but I doubt if she was carried off by an angel. And I am sure that she was. Everybody looked round, a young man, pale and trembling with excitement, repeated, I am sure of it. Sure of what? asked Mifroid. That Christine Day was carried off by an angel, Monsieur Le Commissaire, and I can tell you his name. 
Ah, Monsieur le Vicomte de Chagny. So you maintain that Christine Day was carried off by an angel. An angel of the opera, no doubt. Yes, Monsieur, by an angel of the opera. And I will tell you where he lives when we are alone. You are right, Monsieur. And the commissary of police, inviting Raoul to take a chair, cleared the room of all the rest, except the managers. Then Raoul spoke. Monsieur le commissaire, the angel is called Eric. He lives in the opera, and he is the angel of music. The angel of music. Really, that is very curious. The angel of music. And turning to the managers, Monsieur Mifroid asked, Have you an angel of music on the premises, gentlemen? Richard and Moncharmin shook their heads without even speaking. Oh, said the Viscount, those gentlemen have heard of the opera ghost. Well, I am in a position to state that the opera ghost and the angel of music are one and the same person, and his real name is Eric. Monsieur Mifroid rose and looked at Raoul attentively. I beg your pardon, Monsieur, but is it your intention to make fun of the law? And if not, what is all this about the opera ghost? I say that these gentlemen have heard of him. Gentlemen, it appears that you know the opera ghost. Richard rose, with the remaining hairs of his moustache in his hand. No, Monsieur Commissary, no, we do not know him, but we wish that we did, for this very evening he has robbed us of twenty thousand francs. And Richard turned a terrible look on Moncharmin, which seemed to say, Give me back the twenty thousand francs, or I'll tell the whole story. Moncharmin understood what he meant, for, with a disgraced gesture, he said, Oh, tell everything, and have done with it. As for Mifroid, he looked at the managers, and at Raoul by turns, and wondered whether he had strayed into a lunatic asylum. He passed his hand through his hair. A ghost, he said, who, on the same evening, carries off an opera singer and steals twenty thousand francs, is a ghost who must have his hands very full. If you don't mind... We will take the questions in order. The singer first, the twenty francs after. Come, Monsieur de Chagny, let us try to talk seriously. 
you believe that Mademoiselle Christine Day has been carried off by an individual called Eric. Do you know this person? Have you seen him? Yes. Where? In a churchyard. Monsieur Mifroid gave a start, began to scrutinize Raoul again, and said, Of course, that's where ghosts usually hang out. And what were you doing in that churchyard? Monsieur, said Raoul, I can quite understand how absurd my replies must seem to you, but I beg you to believe that I am in full possession of my faculties. The safety of the person dearest to me in the world is at stake. I should like to convince you, in as few words, for time is pressing and every minute is valuable. Unfortunately, if I do not tell you the strangest story that ever was from the beginning, you will not believe me. I will tell you all I know about the opera ghost, Monsieur Commissary. Alas, I do not know much. Never mind. Go on, go on, exclaimed Richard and Moncharmin, suddenly greatly interested. Unfortunately for their hopes of learning some detail that could put them on the track of their hoaxer, they were soon compelled to accept the fact that Monsieur Raoul de Chagny had completely lost his head. All that story about Peros Gurek, death's head and enchanted violins, could only have taken birth in the disordered brain of a youth mad with love. It was evident, also, that Mr. Commissary Mifroid shared their view, and the magistrate would certainly have cut short the incoherent narrative if circumstances had not taken it upon themselves to interrupt it. The door opened, and a man entered, curiously dressed in an enormous frock coat and tall hat, at once shabby and shiny, that came down to his ears. He went up to the commissary and spoke to him in a whisper. It was doubtless a detective come to deliver an important communication. During this conversation, Monsieur Mifroid did not take his eyes off Raoul. At last, addressing him, he said, Monsieur, we have talked enough about the ghost. We will now talk about yourself a little. If you have no objection, you were to carry off Mademoiselle Christine Day tonight. Yes, Monsieur Le Commissaire. After the performance. Yes, Monsieur Le Commissaire. All your arrangements were made. Yes, Monsieur Le Commissaire. The carriage that brought you was to take you both away. 
there were fresh horses in readiness at every stage. That is true, Monsieur le Commissaire. And nevertheless, your carriage is still outside the rotunda, awaiting your orders, is it not? Yes, Monsieur le Commissaire. Did you know that there were three other carriages there, in addition to yours? I did not pay the least attention. They were the carriages of Mademoiselle Sorelli, which could not find room in the corps de l'administration, of Carlotta, and of your brother, Monsieur le Comte de Chagnier. What is certain is that, though your carriage and Sorelli's and Carlotta's are still there, by the rotunda pavement, Monsieur le Comte de Chagny's carriage is gone. That has nothing to say to, I beg your pardon, was not Monsieur le Comte opposed to your marriage with Mademoiselle Day? This is a matter that only concerns the family. You have answered my question. He was opposed to it, and that was why you were carrying Christine Day out of your brother's reach. Well, Monsieur de Chagny, allow me to inform you that your brother has been smarter than you. It is he who has carried off Christine Day. Oh, impossible, moaned Raoul, pressing his hand to his heart. Are you sure? Immediately after the artist's disappearance, which was procured by means which we have still to ascertain, he flung into his carriage, which drove right across Paris at a furious pace. Across Paris? asked poor Raoul in a hoarse voice. What do you mean, across Paris? Across Paris and out of it, by the Brussels road. Oh, cried the young man, I shall catch them, and he rushed out of the office. And bring her back to us, cried the commissary gaily. Ah, that's a trick worth two of the Angel of Musics. And, turning to his audience, Monsieur Mifroid delivered a lecture on police methods. I don't know for a moment whether Monsieur Le Comte de Chagny has really carried Christine Day off or not, but I want to know, and I believe that, at this moment, no one is more anxious to inform us than his brother. And now he is flying in pursuit of him. He is my chief auxiliary. This, gentlemen, is the art of the police, which is believed to be so complicated, and which, nevertheless, appears so simple as soon as it is that you see. It consists of getting your work done by people who have nothing to do with the police. But Monsieur le Commissaire de Police Mifroid 
would not have been quite so satisfied with himself if he had known that the rush of his rapid emissary was stopped at the entrance to the very first corridor. A tall figure blocked Raoul's way. Where are you going so fast, Monsieur de Chagny? asked a voice. Raoul impatiently raised his eyes and recognized the astrakhan cap of an hour ago. He stopped. It's you, he cried in a feverish tone. You, who know Eric's secrets and don't want me to speak them. Who are you? You know who I am. I am the Persian. Chapter 19 The Viscount and the Persian Raoul now remembered that his brother had once shown him that mysterious person, of whom nothing was known except that he was a Persian and that he lived in an old-fashioned flat in the Rue de Rivoli. The man with the ebony skin, the eyes of jade, and the astrakhan cap bent over Raoul. I hope, Monsieur de Chagny, he said, that you have not betrayed Eric's secret. And why should I hesitate to betray that monster, sir? Raoul rejoined haughtily, trying to shake off the intruder. Is he your friend by any chance? I hope that you said nothing about Eric, sir, because Eric's secret is also Christine Day's, and to talk about one is to talk about the other. Oh, sir, said Raoul, becoming more and more impatient. You seem to know about many things that interest me, and yet I have no time to listen to you. Once more, Monsieur de Chagny, where are you going so fast? Cannot you guess to Christine Day's assistance? Then, sir... Stay here, for Christine Day is here. With Eric. With Eric. How do you know? I was at the performance, and no one in the world but Eric could contrive an abduction like that. Oh, he said with a deep sigh, I recognized the monster's touch. You know him then? The Persian did not reply, but heaved a fresh sigh. Sir, said Raoul, I do not know what your intentions are, but can you do anything to help me? I mean, to help Christine Day. I think so, Monsieur de Chagny, and that is why I spoke to you. What can you do? Try to take you to her, and to him. If you can do me that service, sir, my life is yours. One word more. The commissary of police 
tells me that Christine Day has been carried off by my brother, Count Felipe. Oh, Monsieur de Chagny, I don't believe a word of it. It's not possible, is it? I don't know if it is possible or not, but there are ways and ways of carrying people off, and Monsieur le Comte Felipe has never, as far as I know, had anything to do with witchcraft. Your arguments are convincing, sir, and I am a fool. Oh, let us make haste. I place myself entirely in your hands. How should I not believe you when you are the only one to believe me? When you are the only one not to smile when Eric's name is mentioned? And the young man impetuously seized the Persian's hands. They were ice cold. Silence, said the Persian, stopping and listening to the distant sounds of the theatre. We must not mention that name here. Let us say he and him, then there will be less danger of attracting his attention. Do you think he is near us? It is quite possible. Sir, if he is not, at this moment, with his victim, in the house on the lake. Ah, so you know that house too. If he is not there, he may be here, in this wall, in this floor, in this ceiling. Come. The Persian, asking Raoul to deaden the sound of his footsteps, led him down passages which Raoul had never seen before. Even at the time when Christine Day used to take him for walks through that labyrinth, If only Darius has come, said the Persian. Who is Darius? Darius, my servant. They were now in the centre of a real deserted square, an immense apartment ill-lit by a small lamp. The Persian stopped Raoul and, in the softest of whispers, asked, What did you say to the commissary? I said that Christine Day's abductor was the angel of music, alias the opera ghost, and that his name was... Hush! And did he believe you? No. He attached no importance to what you said. No. He took you for a bit of a madman. Yes. So much the better, sighed the Persian. And they continued their road. After going up and down several staircases, which Raoul had never seen before, the two men found themselves in front of a door, which the Persian opened with a master key. The Persian and Raoul were both of course, in dress clothes, but, whereas Raoul had a tall hat, the Persian wore an astrakhan cap, 
which I have already mentioned. It was an infringement of the rules which insist upon the tall hat behind the scenes, but in France, foreigners are allowed every license. The Englishman his travelling cap, the Persian his cap of a strachan. Sir, said the Persian, your tall hat will be in your way. You would do well to leave it in the dressing room. What dressing room? asked Raoul. Christine Days. And the Persian, letting Raoul through the door which he had just opened, showed him the actress's room opposite. They were at the end of the passage, the whole length of which Raoul had been accustomed to traverse before knocking at Christine Day's door. How well do you know the opera, sir? Not so well as he does, said the Persian modestly. And he pushed the young man into Christine's dressing room, which was as Raoul had left it a few minutes earlier. Closing the door, the Persian went to a very thin partition that separated the dressing room from a big lumber room next to it. He listened and then coughed loudly. There was a sound of some stirring in the lumber room, and, a few seconds later, a finger tapped at the door. Come in, said the Persian. A man entered, also wearing an astrakhan cap, and dressed in a long overcoat. He bowed and took a richly carved case from under his coat, put it on the dressing table, bowed once again, and went to the door. Did no one see you come in, Darius? No, master. Let no one see you go out. The servant glanced down the passage and swiftly disappeared. The Persian opened the case. It contained a pair of long pistols. When Christine Day was carried off, sir, I sent word to my servant to bring these pistols. I have had them a long time, and they can be relied upon. Do you mean to fight a duel? asked the young man. It will certainly be a duel which we shall have to fight, said the other, examining the priming of his pistols. And what a duel! Handing one of the pistols to Raoul, he added, In this duel we shall be two to one, but you must be prepared for everything, for we shall be fighting the most terrible adversary you can imagine. But you love Christine Day, do you not? I worship the ground she stands on. But you, sir, who do not love her, tell me why I find you ready to risk your life for her. You must certainly hate Eric. No, sir, said the Persian, sadly. I do not hate him. If I hated him... He would long ago have ceased to do harm. Has he done you harm? 
I have forgotten him the harm which he has done me. I do not understand you. You treat him as a monster. You speak of his crime. He has done you harm, and I find you in the same inexplicable pity that drove me to despair when I saw it in Christine. The Persian did not reply. He fetched a stool and set it against the wall, facing the great mirror that filled the whole of the wall space opposite. Then he climbed on the stool, and with his nose to the wallpaper, seemed to be looking for something. Ah, he said, after a long search, I have it, and, raising his finger above his head, he pressed against a corner in the pattern of the paper. Then he turned round and jumped off the stool. In half a minute, he said, he shall be on his road, and crossing the whole of the dressing room, he felt the great mirror. No, it is not yielding yet, he muttered. Oh, are we going out by the mirror? asked Raoul, like Christine Day. So you knew that Christine Day went out by that mirror? She did so before my eyes, sir. I was hidden behind the curtain of the inner room, and I saw her vanish, not by the glass, but in the glass. And what did you do? I thought it was an aberration of my senses, a mad dream. Or some new fancy of the ghosts, chuckled the Persian. Ah, Monsieur de Chagny he continued, still with his hand on the mirror. Would that we were dealing with a ghost. We could then leave our pistols in their case. Put down your hat, please. There. And now cover your shirt front as much as you can with your coat, as I am doing. Bring the lapels forward. Turn up the collar. We must make ourselves as invisible as possible. Bearing against the mirror, after a short silence, he said, It takes some time to release the counterbalance when you press on the spring from the inside of the room. It is different when you are behind the wall and can act directly on the counterbalance. Then the mirror turns at once and is moved with incredible rapidity. What counterbalance? asked Raoul. Why, the counterbalance that lifts the whole of this wall on its pivot. You surely don't expect it to move of itself by enchantment. If you watch, you will see the mirror first rise an inch or two and then shift an inch or two from left to right. It will then be on a pivot and swing round. It's not turning, said Raoul impatiently. Oh, wait, you have time to be impatient, sir. The mechanism has obviously become rusty, or else the spring isn't working, unless it is something else. 
added the Persian, anxiously. What? He may simply have cut the cord of the counterbalance and blocked the whole apparatus. Why should he? He does not know that we are coming this way. I dare say he suspects it, for he knows that I understand the system. It's not turning, and Christine, sir, Christine, the Persian said coldly. We shall do all that is humanly possible to do, but he may stop us at the first step. He commands the walls, the doors, and the trapdoors. In my country, he was known by the name which means trapdoor lover. But why do these walls obey him alone? He did not build them. Yes, sir, that is just what he did. Raoul looked at him in amazement, but the Persian made a sign to him to be silent and pointed to the glass. There was a sort of shivering reflection. Their image was troubled as in a rippling sheet of water and then all became stationary again. You see, sir, that it is not turning. Let us take another road. Tonight there is no other, declared the Persian in a singularly mournful voice. And now, look out and be ready to fire. He himself raised his pistol opposite the glass. Raoul imitated his movement. With his free arm, the Persian drew the young man to his chest, and, suddenly, the mirror turned. In a blinding daze of crosslights, it turned like one of those revolving doors which have lately been fixed to the entrances of most restaurants. It turned, carrying Raoul and the Persian with it, and suddenly hurling them from the full light into the deepest darkness.